Hi and welcome to Think Healthy with Hayley. This is a podcast for women who are interested in health, fitness, weight loss and mindset. So if you want to feel more in control, enjoy food, stop dieting and just feel happier and healthier and getting to where you want to be, then this is the podcast for you. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get into the episode. So this episode is all about cholesterol and actually the fact that I have slightly high cholesterol levels, which is something that surprised me when I found this out. But there are a few things that I'm doing about it that I'm hoping will be helpful to share. And some of the the tests and things I've done could be helpful for you to know about as well. So if you have high cholesterol or if there are other health markers that you want to investigate, then hopefully this episode can be useful for you. Firstly, just wanted to go over what cholesterol actually is, because we often hear about it and we know high cholesterol isn't a good thing, but then sometimes we don't know kind of much more about it than that. So quick explanation, and this is an explanation taken from the Medichex website, which is a website I'll talk a little bit more about that I've used recently to test my bloods. And basically cholesterol is a fatty substance found in the blood and it plays an essential role in how the cells in the body work. Too much cholesterol in the blood can have a serious effect on your health as it increases your risk of having a heart attack or stroke. And there are many factors which raise the risk of cardiovascular disease. And we're learning more about the complex biological processes which lead to a heart attack all the time. High levels of cholesterol have long been known to increase your risk, but even then it's not that simple. There are different types of cholesterol and some are more dangerous than others. Cholesterol is manufactured in the liver and it also comes from the food that we eat. Diet, family history, obesity and lack of exercise will all adversely impact cholesterol levels. So that was the explanation from Medijax. And basically, so I had a blood test done about 18 months ago um, for totally unrelated reasons to cholesterol, but it showed up um, slightly high cholesterol at that time. And the doctor's advice was really that firstly they went through the general lifestyle factors that are important to to be on top of when it comes to keeping your cholesterol at a healthy level and we checked all these things and I'm kind of doing these things anyway the the NHS advice um, on how to lower your cholesterol is to eat less fatty foods to eat more oily fish like mackerel and salmon brown rice whole grain bread whole wheat pasta nuts and seeds, fruits and vegetables. And I generally include a good amount of those in my diet. Try to eat less meats, pies, sausages, fatty meats, butter, lard, ghee, cream, hard cheese, cakes, biscuits, and foods that contain coconut oil or palm oil. That's the suggestion on what to eat less. I generally would, I have butter, I sometimes have cheese, I do have cakes and biscuits, but not, I would have said in excess. But that is something that I could work on, which I'll come to a bit more. And then other ways to lower cholesterol is to increase your exercise. If you're not currently doing at least 150 minutes or two and a half hours of exercise a week. And that's something I'm I'm already doing that amount or more each week. Stopping smoking and cutting down on alcohol are the other two big things you can do to lower cholesterol. I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't. I just don't like the taste of alcohol, so I've not ever been a drinker. So 
for me that was a big surprise to actually to have high cholesterol in the first place and the doctors kind of said that because those lifestyle factors are in place i'm doing doing good with those it's likely that there's a genetic factor involved but there may still be things that we can do nutrition wise that could help they were quite reassuring um about it and it's only slightly high that's the other thing the total cholesterol is slightly high with cholesterol you can break it down into ldl cholesterol which is seen as the bad cholesterol and hdl cholesterol which is seen as the good cholesterol the ranges for those like i'm actually within the healthy range of both but slightly more um ldl cholesterol then would be maybe optimal and slightly less of the good hdl cholesterol so i want to kind of change this a little bit and this has been brought back to my attention more recently because that initial blood test was 18 months ago roughly and because it was at the time doctor said do you know what it's fine your lifestyle factors are okay um probably just a bit genetic don't worry about it too much i kind of left it at that for a while and just cracked on but more recently there's a website called medichecks which i've known of for a while and they offer various different blood tests blood analysis on hormones and other health markers and vitamins and minerals and all sorts of stuff and i've always wanted to kind of know where things are in terms of various markers i find it really interesting and it gives you just levels of different vitamins like vitamin d levels of different hormones obviously looks at cholesterol and then the function of certain um, organs in the body so recently they had a discount on on their checks that they offer and i went for the check that kind of goes over everything hormones and various blood markers they they do different options some of them are kind of less in depth but i went for the whole big in-depth one and had the test results back from that and so basically the cholesterol levels are still slightly high just as before but maybe there's been a bit of a shift towards slightly less of the good cholesterol hdl and slightly more ldl bad cholesterol still within normal range but that shift over time it hasn't improved if anything it's slightly worse it's still not not bad it's only just outside the normal range of total cholesterol and everything else is okay but when looking at these things i've been really inspired recently by the book outlive by peter atia which i've done a podcast episode on about 10 10 episodes back and i'd recommend listening to that because it kind of sums up um a couple of key points from the book about nutrition and fitness and what to aim for but that book also talks about the fact that it's so important to to look at health and fitness as ways to help prevent future illness and frailty rather than kind of just waiting until we get to a point where our risk of illness and frailty are much higher when we're older often the way that medicine and kind of health and the NHS kind of look at things at the moment is if your risk is kind of not that high in the immediate future or in the next year five to ten years then it's kind of okay like keep going as you're going and if you get to a higher risk level generally things are treated with medication at that point and there can be the recommendations to eat well and exercise more but because they're very different kind of areas like you've got the the medicine area and you've got the health and fitness area and they're quite separate in terms of many doctors are not trained particularly in nutrition or what to recommend when it comes to specific exercise so they can give general guidance 
but they're much more aware of kind of medications and, and how to treat things that way, which can be absolutely life-changing and really important. But there's less emphasis on health and nutrition for preventative medicine, really, than there really could be. And if you're looking at like, how can I give myself the best chance of living a long, healthy life where I get to my later years and I'm still active, I'm still fit and strong, still living my, living my best life, I'm not frail, I'm not suffering from illness and disease, the, the best way to give yourself the best chance of that is to know things as soon as possible, like to know where you're at health-wise and to be taking care of yourself with great nutrition and exercise at every stage of life. So knowing that, like looking into the, the blood test analysis that I got, I found that really inspiring to think, okay, my levels are not quite right at the moment in a couple of things. So I want to work on that now. It's not anything dangerous now. I'm not at any significant risk of heart attack in the next 10 years. But if I left that as it is, there's the potential for cholesterol levels to just gradually increase over time. And as I get older, my risk of heart attack would then be much higher than it potentially could otherwise be if I do something about it now. So I would rather do something about it now. And I think getting the, the blood test is really valuable to do with Medichecks. It's, I think it costs me about 120, 100, maybe 160 pounds, including like the delivery and everything of the test and sending it back. But Medichecks will, they have um, a way that you can get tested in like an NHS hospital. They're linked up with various places. So you can order the test and take it in to, for me, I took it to my local NHS hospital and they, they take the blood there and they've got a post box there that then the blood's delivered or taken from the post box, delivered to Medichecks, and they do the analysis, and then send you a report via email. So I found that really, really helpful. The, the report went into really useful detail, and they explained the different markers that they've, um, they've highlighted. If there's anything a bit out of range, they'll explain why that could be and what you can do about it. And I would definitely recommend it. They often have discounts on their website. I think it's just, it's such a worthy investment, if you can, to, to pay now and again for a test if you can't get that through through your GP or anything else just to pay to know where things are and have an idea of what's going on on the inside well well worth it I think to reduce that risk of future ill health and disease like if you can pick up on things sooner you've got a much greater chance of getting them back in the, the best possible range and giving yourself the best chance of, of living a longer healthier happier life so with cholesterol, with my cholesterol in particular, so my my total is slightly high. My LDL and HDL and triglycerides are all within the normal range, but that LDL is slightly trending up compared to last time, which isn't a good thing. And the HDL, good cholesterol, was slightly down compared to last thing. They also identified in this most recent blood test a couple of my liver markers were showing signs of inflammation. They were slightly outside the the optimal range and that's a bit weird because the 18 months ago blood test I had that was completely fine the liver markers were all good um, by a long way so something's changed there but that can be can be a random thing it can be down to heavy exercise within a few days of doing the blood test it can be just various factors that are kind of nothing to worry about but it's one that's worth just getting retested again. And I'm gonna do a few things just to support my liver in the meantime, just in case there's anything there that does need some work. But the, the, the liver is 
very much linked to cholesterol because our liver is what produces our cholesterol. So there may be the link there. Um, again, it may be a bit of genetics or it may just be other factors, but it's inspired me really to do to do what I can in the next few months to really, really support my body, support my liver and go and get it retested to see what impact that can make. And I'm making a few nutrition changes in the meantime, nothing drastic, but I'll go over those in a bit more detail. And essentially though, I was really surprised to get this um, diagnosis that cholesterol is slightly high because I'm, I'm 34 years old, so I'm fairly young. I eat, eat very well. I eat very nutritious food the majority of the time. I do eat other bits and pieces that are just not that nutritious, but in my mind, I think it's fairly well balanced. Um, but I'll come to that a little bit more. I sleep well. I exercise regularly. I do strength training and cardio cycling and running every week don't drink or smoke as well so age 34 i would almost expect that i would get away with eating cakes and things now and again for a bit longer than into my early to mid 30s but it's interesting to think that way because when i analyze that way of thinking i'm kind of thinking maybe i was maybe more lenient on my my kind of my eating habits than i necessarily needed to be I think because I love eating food and cake and chocolate, I kind of thought, yeah, I'll just keep, I'll, I'll have that regularly. But actually, it probably isn't optimal in the, the amounts that I'm having. And it's all about balance, isn't it? That's what I talk about a lot. It's finding balance where you feel at your best and you still get to enjoy the foods that you love and you're taking amazing care of your body. And I basically, through that test, I see that as I've got a little bit of feedback from my body that it's not totally happy with the balance I've got at the moment. And that doesn't mean I'm going to cut out cakes and chocolate and ice cream and that kind of thing. But it means I'm going to be a bit more strategic with how I have it and how much of it I have. And I think because I I cycle quite a lot and burn a decent amount of calories in those rides, I do use that as a bit of an excuse to regularly eat chocolate um, cake. Not loads, but like maybe once a week on average maybe slightly less at times, but now and again, slightly more, depending on what's happening. I'll have um, toast with butter and Marmite, for example, before a ride, which I, I really enjoy. Butter, though, is, is one thing that I'm gonna reduce now, um, which I'll come to a little bit more again in, in a minute. We'll have like bacon sandwiches out on a ride or some cake, sometimes a mix of both. And all of those foods are foods that you would say would, would be high in saturated fat and sugar, mostly, and not, very helpful in terms of nutrition, just things that I love to eat. But I think I could do better with that. I could be a little bit more selective with what I have. And I'm gonna test that out over the, the months to come. And I think actually it'll make me feel better because I have those foods, because I know I can, because I'm burning the calories at those times. But it doesn't make me feel amazing when I have them generally. Now and again, when it's in there well-timed and not too much, it's, it, it's fine and it's sometimes even when you don't feel great after you know sometimes you have something that's delicious and it's just it's kind of worth it now and again to have that delicious food doesn't make you feel amazing after but it's in small amounts spread out fairly infrequently you can kind of you might think yeah actually I'm happy with that because it was delicious but there's a lot of times I think where I would eat those things because I like them but actually when I analyze how I feel after the feeling after isn't amazing. Like you get the, the blood sugar high and then it drops and you don't feel feel great. 
and I would be actually quite keen to test out how I feel through eating those things slightly less. So one of the things I'm going to do, and I've already started doing, is just going back to tracking my calories and nutrition again. And this time I'm using an app called NutriCheck. Before I've done this on my fitness pal, and NutriCheck I've grown to like a lot more recently. It's a UK-based app. It does the same thing as my fitness pal in that it helps you track your calories and your nutrition. But because it's a UK app, it just has a really good database of UK foods. So you get a picture of whatever you're searching for. You can scan the barcode and it comes up very quickly with like the exact food you're looking for. And if you type it into the search box, it's just it things appear and it's so much easier. The portion sizes are easier to add. It's a nice, really nice visual app as well. The way it's set up, the way you can see your foods plus your nutrition and you can choose which aspects of your nutrition you want to look at so you can choose obviously calories are there anyway but you can choose to highlight protein fat intake fiber sugar saturated fat and have a look at those things so that you're keeping an eye on what what matters most normally for for clients who are using this for weight loss calories and protein are, are the two key numbers to look at other things are really helpful to know too but it's important to keep it simple as well and the most simple and effective things to look at for weight loss and that can often lead to general health improvements as well is calories at the the level that creates a calorie deficit that's sustainable and then enough protein to help you stay full and keep hold of muscle and even build strength as well and be feeling great from those two numbers being about right i'm looking at it for for calories for protein and then using it now to look at saturated fat intake as well and it's been really interesting (laughs) tracking even just for i've done it for nearly a week now uh, maybe about five days Um, i missed a day i think at the weekend but just to give me an idea of where i'm at and it's it's so easy for calories to add up and every time i go back to tracking my own calories which i do every now and again i'm always eating more than i think i am And there are so many studies that show that the vast majority of people underestimate their food intake significantly. Various various studies are shown, even people who are tracking and fully confident that they're tracking things accurately on MyFitnessPal or any other app, when they've been kind of monitored in a study, they've been shown to be eating significantly more than they think they are. So it's very easy to underestimate things, to have things and forget them to forget things like oils used when cooking or to not be able to kind of weigh and measure exactly the the portion size you're having and then to just guess that it's slightly less than it is. Snacks, nibbles, bites, licks, tastes, all these things can really easily add up. And even dietitians have also been shown to under-report their calories by about 200 to 300 calories a day. And dietitians obviously trained fully in this to know their nutrition and their portion sizes. So even if dietitians are, are getting it slightly wrong, the vast majority of people are just underestimating. It's a very human thing, very easy to do. So me going back to, to tracking as accurately as I can, like I was definitely eating more than I thought. And now I'm I'm aiming to kind of stick to, to a range of calories that suits me and my activity levels, but also suits how I feel generally. Um, and getting enough protein, which I generally find easy enough to do, but looking much more closely at saturated fat. And that's because saturated fat is very linked to 
cholesterol and keeping saturated fat down can generally help to lower cholesterol. If your saturated fat levels are higher, that can often be a risk factor of it increasing over time. And the recommended amount of saturated fat for women is 20 grams a day. And for men, it's 30 grams a day. So that's something I've been looking at. And sometimes we hear that eating cholesterol, like for example, eggs are often linked as a high cholesterol food and, and a bad thing to eat with cholesterol. That has been showing that actually dietary cholesterol isn't a risk factor for increasing our blood cholesterol. It seems to be more the saturated fat in foods that is the issue. So eggs are fine. High saturated fat foods are things that I'm trying to reduce. And for me, I've found that the highest saturated fat foods I tend to have would be butter. Um, when I have cake, obviously cake has a fair amount of saturated fat. Generally, um, chocolate has a decent amount of saturated fat. And actually, I've found interesting that protein bars and trek bars actually quite a number of those have about five grams of saturated fat per bar and that's a quarter of the daily amount for women so that's been interesting because i got into the habit of eating a protein bar on the way back from the gym and trek bars i tend to eat sometimes when i want a bike ride and that i'm now looking to just alter those habits a little bit and swap those foods for, for other options the good thing about NutriCheck as well is that it lets you see a list of foods that are that you're eating that are highest in whatever nutrient you're looking for. So once you've logged your food intake for a few days, you can click on a, a little button that shows you which of the foods you have are highest in protein. For example, if you're looking to increase your protein, it's helpful to see what foods you're eating that are really good options to keep going for. It helps you see what's highest in sugar or saturated fat. And I'm looking at those in particular, and then fibre as well. If you're looking to increase your fibre, you can see, okay, what foods am I eating at the moment that have a really good amount of fibre in the, per portion size? And so, yeah, so that's that's really helpful. I do think it's a really useful app, and I definitely have discovered that I was probably eating more than 20 grams of saturated fat on a regular basis, and it's really easy to do. So knowing that is helpful, and so now I've been aiming to keep my saturated fat intake to 20 grams or less, which I've mostly managed to do. And I don't think that it needs to be perfect, And as with anything. For today, for example, I am meeting a friend for ice cream and pretty sure that will, will nudge me over the 20 grams of, of saturated fat, given that other foods have smaller amounts, even when they're nutritious. Certain nutritious foods will still have a bit of saturated fat and that's okay. It's the consistency not perfection that is always the key so just the awareness of of that today means that i've made other choices that reduce fats elsewhere so where i'm going to come in at maybe 28 grams for the day of saturated fat without knowing what i was doing i could easily have 30 40 grams of it so just that awareness is helpful and so i'm also looking to keep calories at just a more appropriate level and just tracking it has been really helpful to see that because I was having more than I thought I was. I've now brought it back down to what I think is about right for my activity levels and where I'm at at the moment. And that has a knock-on impact of reducing sugar and just actually helping me feel better because it's a few times already made me consider food choices where I've logged my day ahead of time 
and that's something I'd really recommend doing as much as you can is to log your day in advance so that you can see what it's going to come out at in terms of calories and protein and everything else and then you can make tweaks to portion sizes and choices before you've started eating whereas when you're logging it as you go it's easy to get to the end of the day and then either be quite low on protein and not be able to do much about it or be higher on calories than you thought or to realize that just something wasn't quite where you wanted it to be whereas in advance logging it you can just tweak things so it works out where you want it to be and obviously you can always change it as you go if you need to but logging in advance is incredibly helpful and it's helped me realize a few times like I've I had a family afternoon tea at the weekend which is why I didn't log that day because it was just it would have just been too awkward to do I would just ate mindfully and enjoyed that and then carried on tracking the next day but with that afternoon tea we had a few things left over to take back one of them being a couple of bits of of chocolate tiffin which I had made and it took me three days to be able to fit that in to what I'd planned to eat that day because I kept logging it realizing it's maybe I guessed about 300 calories for the two pieces I wanted and um, the saturated fat would have been approximately 10 to 12 grams something like that and every day I tried to log it there's other things that meant it would have just nudged that day a bit higher than I wanted it to be so I kept taking it off and putting it on to the next day and that's quite helpful to to know for me I found that really useful that I could choose to have it whenever I wanted but I was trying to fit it in where it kind of fitted best and it meant that I delayed having that whereas without that knowledge I would have had it the very next day and then had something else the next day and then another bit of chocolate the next day so it's just kind of helped me spread it out and that's been useful so that's been helpful and the other things I'm looking to to do with my nutrition is regularly including healthy fats in particular oily fish so salmon and tinned sardines are the two oily fish that I like to have regularly other oily fish would be mackerel um, anchovies herring but salmon we tend to have salmon once or twice a week anyway and there are some lovely tinned sardines with different herbs and spices that you can get in the supermarket that are also sustainably fished they've got the msc logo on them and i got got a whole load of those on offer and they are something that i have sometimes in the week nice and easy one to make a meal out of and i'm looking to have oily fish at least two to three times a week and if i notice that i haven't for whatever reason we've got an omega-3 supplement um, just in the cupboard we've always had one so I'll take that if I realize I'm probably a bit low on it this week but that's a regular olive oil I'm looking to include that again I sometimes well often use the spray olive oil in instead of regular olive oil just because it's I know it's going to keep the calories down that little bit more but now because olive oil is very much associated with heart health it's a really beneficial nutrient nutrient to include or nutritious food to include I am trying to include that and it's it adds some calories but it's helpful to know that like if i'm tracking them i can work out a way to fit them in one tablespoon of olive oil is about 120 calories so i tend to go for a measured out half tablespoon and it's very easy to just glug olive oil onto a meal or into a pan when you're frying and not realize that you're taking in those extra calories and there's that balance to be struck with olive oil because it's super nutritious if your goal is weight loss then it can just hold things back for you if you're adding extra calories that you don't quite realize so it's a really good one to measure and 
generally half a tablespoon per portion can work quite well. If you've got the room in terms of calories to have a whole tablespoon, then it's it's great to have a tablespoon. For me, I have other foods that are high in fat as well, and I find a half a tablespoon serving works best. It's about 60 calories and fantastic to include. Extra virgin olive oil in particular is really beneficial for heart health as well as various other aspects of health. So I'm including that more often. I always have flaxseed on my breakfast, so I'm keeping going with that. Flaxseed has omega-3 healthy fats and also good amount of fibre, which is also important. Uh, walnuts, I'm including those. I tend to have those as a, a snack anyway in a fairly small amount because as with olive oil, there it's easy for that to be more calories than you think. So 15 to 20 grams is only a, a small serving, but I find when eaten mindfully, that can actually be quite satisfying as a snack anyway. And walnuts, again, are a really good source of omega-3 healthy fats, not quite the same as oily fish in terms of like oily fish are the the most nutritious, easiest available form of omega-3 that we can take in. Flaxseed and walnuts are are still very good sources, but they're not quite as bioavailable in the body. So they're beneficial for for other reasons as well though. So walnuts I try to snack on. Other nuts are are good too, but walnuts and almonds are two of the best in terms of uh, the nutrition that we're looking for. And then avocado as well is a healthy fat to include. It has various different types of healthy fat, but it's a brilliant food to include and I love avocado. So I'm, I'm re- regularly eating that as well. In a portion size, that's normally about half of a, a small to medium size avocado. And then, as I mentioned, I still eat eggs. They have a bit of healthy fats in them. It is some saturated fat in there too, but eggs and cheese, interestingly, are, are both higher well they have some saturated fat eggs are are high in cholesterol but they seem to be a bit different in terms of their effect in the body they don't seem to have that negative impact that other foods that are high in saturated fat do so eggs are fine cheese particularly hard cheese moldy cheese seems to possibly be okay there's conflicting advice on this um i had some moldy cheese that i was buying more recently because it can be beneficial for for the gut microbe as well to have that that mold coming in um, can be potentially a helpful thing but i found recently just trying to fit the cheese in with the, the other healthy fats in terms of calories it was just adding up too much so i'm not doing that now but i'm still keeping going with eggs because they're a great source of protein as well as good fats and other vitamins and minerals that are really beneficial as well so i'm including those and also looking at fiber i'm eating more beans and lentils than I used to. I've always had a decent amount of veg and looking at my fibre intake uh, on NutriCheck, I'm getting about 50 grams a day on average, which is much higher than the, the recommended daily amount of 30 grams. 30 grams is good to aim for and 30 to 50 seems like a really good range to be in. Anything closer to like 70 grams is probably too much. So I'm happy with 50 grams and that's just kind of naturally eating foods that I enjoy. I like vegetables. I'm happy with beans and lentils. And I think the vitamins and minerals in beans and lentils and different types of fiber or different nutrients in that is helpful to get that diversity as well from different different plant foods. So I'm including those a little bit more as well. And and that's the, the nutrition changes really, just having a little bit less frequent cake and chocolate and um, taking out butter for the time being and 
not really having cheese either, but keeping up, keeping up the protein generally that I would have, keeping up the healthy fats and just increasing a few healthy fats such as slightly more regular oily fish and olive oil, keeping fibre high, adding beans and lentils and and that that's nutrition that's where i'm going with the nutrition so the nhs advice as i mentioned earlier is, is pretty similar to that it's suggesting to eat more oily fish to have more whole grains like brown rice whole grain bread whole wheat pasta nuts and seeds fruits and vegetables and to have less essentially less processed foods and less high fat dairy so that's that's where i am at with that side of things with nutrition and then with the exercise so exercise is recommended to reduce cholesterol i get a good amount of exercise anyway but i have noticed that when i'm working when i'm sat down um doing my coaching with clients during the day i'm sat down for sometimes for fairly long periods of time not doing a lot of moving and then i'll get a decent chunk of exercise in there somewhere but there's a lot of studies that show you the benefits of just moving regularly through the day and that could mean just getting up every half hour to an hour and just doing five minutes of movement or even one to two minutes of just stretching moving getting blood flowing just a little bit more around the body that does seem to have benefits for heart health general health so that's something i'm looking to do more is just make sure i'm moving regularly in the day even if that means popping out for a five or ten minute walk at one point whereas maybe i would have normally just done a longer walk at another time trying to kind of chunk things down a little bit more and break up the day that's something i'm adding in and just doing a little bit of moving and stretching if if i can't get out for a walk a few minutes of getting the yoga mat out and just doing even a couple of stretches or going up and down stairs to get something is kind of where i'm going with that one and then keeping going with the regular cardio and weights training that i do continuing to prioritize sleep so i've worked hard on my sleep more recently um because at the start of the year i wasn't well and then sleep got disrupted and i felt awful so that's been a priority since is to really protect sleep so i notice if i've slept well i'm a much nicer person the next day and i then i go to bed pretty early because i wake up pretty early too so getting to bed around nine o'clock and I tend to wake up about half five or six. So I find if I read a book before bed, I sleep a lot better than if I'm on my laptop or my phone or I'm watching TV. I need to have that at least kind of 10, 15 minutes just reading a book in bed. And that makes a big difference to help my brain get sleepy and then sleep better. So keeping that routine going. And then supplements. Supplements I've looked at a bit more in terms of what supports the body to deal with cholesterol, to deal with inflammation, and to support the liver specifically. I was already taking omega-3 supplements, not all the time, but when I've noticed I'm, I haven't eaten that much oily fish that week, I have omega-3 in the cupboard. And vitamin D is the other thing that I often recommend to clients, and I have it myself as well through, through the winter, or really from October through until March, I'll take a vitamin D supplement. In the most recent blood tests that I had, um, my vitamin D was fine, but it was in the lower part of the healthy range. And that I was interested in. I think I try and get natural vitamin D through the summer, which means just a, some sun exposure without sunscreen, but for 
10-15 minutes like obviously not enough to get burnt but just to absorb some sun but it's it's I thought my vitamin D would be a bit higher so now I'm thinking I will keep on trying to get that natural sun exposure and if I realize you know I haven't really had that much sun I've been maybe I've just had to put sunscreen on because I was going out for the day or I haven't just had that exposure for whatever reason it's been cloudy and it's been raining then I will take a vitamin D supplement and it's a bit sporadic and I don't know whether that's a helpful way to do things but I think for me at the moment it just feels like the best way to do it just to pop pop a vitamin D if I think yeah I haven't had much of it recently um and I'll be more consistent with that when we get into the winter months again so omega-3 and vitamin D are always the two that I really talk about a lot with with clients because there tends to be the one that or the two that are just a bit low for a lot of us because we often don't eat quite as much oily fish as would be beneficial and we maybe don't get the, the sun exposure that would be optimal but I've also looked at what else could be helpful and curcumin is something that has come on my radar recently as something that can be beneficial for a number of reasons it's anti-inflammatory it can help with exercise recovery which is something that I'm taking it partly for that reason to see if I have less less aches achy muscles after a workout and see if I can improve my recovery and be able to do a, a good training session again that bit quicker it can reduce general inflammation and it has various other benefits that I won't go into too much here I'm taking it mainly for the anti-inflammatory benefits for both for recovery from exercise and also because my liver is showing signs of inflammation for some reason so um, to see if it can help with that too and it's something I would have taken anyway but according to the websites that are talking about it as a supplement it can also help with digestive health brain health and cardiovascular health including LDL cholesterol so I'm going to take it for for the next couple of months and see if there appears to be any benefit the one that I'm taking is one that comes with something called Novasol which really improves the bioavailability of curcumin curcumin isn't easily absorbed in the body and curcumin is it's from turmeric so there's like turmeric has a very small amount of curcumin in it curcumin is the really beneficial part that we want but it's only it's like two to five percent of turmeric is curcumin so curcumin is a small amount of turmeric and then curcumin itself is hard for the body to absorb properly so it often comes with black pepper but more recently Novasol has been shown to improve the bioavailability of curcumin by up to like 185 times more according to the supplement companies that are talking about it so it seems to be beneficial and from what I can see it's kind of evidence-based but it's not something that I would have total confidence in recommending yet which is why I'm trying it out myself and just waiting to see what other research comes out so I'm testing that curcumin with Novasol and the other two things are good potentially for the liver are a supplement called berberine or berberine and milk thistle so berberine berberine I don't even know how you pronounce it can improve blood lipids and liver enzymes so it can be beneficial for the liver and milk thistle has long been known to support the liver as well it's I think it's been used for centuries as a herbal remedy for, for liver disorders it can um, potentially improve liver function and reduce the risk of 
liver disease, basically. So uh, reduces oxidative stress and inflammation as well. So that was a, a pretty cheap supplement to get and I'm testing that one out too. So we've got omega-3, vitamin D as standard, we've got curcumin, berberine and milk thistle that I'm now testing as well. And I'm not recommending these like specifically to to you, the listener, I'm saying this is what I'm taking and I will report back on uh, what results I get when I get bloods retested in a few months time. Um, but even then, I'm changing a few things at the same time. So if it has an impact, which hopefully it will, I won't know exactly what's the cause of that because I'm tweaking my nutrition, reducing saturated fat, slightly reducing calories compared to what I was taking in, having less sugar as a result. And I'm also taking now three additional supplements. So to if I get retested and things are better, I won't know exactly which of those things has helped, whether it's a combination or whether it's one in particular. But I'd rather just go in and do all the things I know are helpful and are easy for me to do and just see what impact that has. None of those things should be detrimental. They should all be fine. It's easy to take those supplements. They they seem to be very safe. There's evidence behind them. And it's not a bad thing, obviously, to reduce saturated fat, to be more aware of my calories and sugar. So I find that easy enough to do because it's only small tweaks, really, in terms of nutrition. And I'm only going to track calories and nutrition for a short time. I might carry on if I decide it's still helpful, but it's more about getting an idea of where things are and seeing what tweaks I could make. And then once I feel confident with knowing what portion sizes are going to fit into my day to keep the saturated fat down and to keep calories at about the right level I want to be at, then I'll move away from it again and just test out not not tracking for a while, just keeping that knowledge and implementing that. And that's something I suggest to clients as well, depending on preferences like whether or not you want to track for a long period of time many people don't and that can put people off doing it at all but it's such a valuable tool to know your calorie intake and to know where your protein is in particular when we're thinking about weight loss and because so many of us underestimate our intake i highly recommend even a week of tracking your calories at some point just to give you a really good understanding of where you're at with with protein calorie intake and see what portion sizes could be different, how you could do things slightly differently to help you get to the goals that you've got. And if you do that to the best that you can for that time, the short time that you do it, try and really get it as accurate as it can be. So that might mean just weighing things out, putting things on the kitchen scales, really doing your best to understand what the portions are. And not to the point where you're weighing out tiny bits of vegetables and that kind of thing, but where it's easy, where you're having a bowl of granola, for example, putting the bowl on the scales and measuring out the granola. Or if you're having pasta, if you can put the put the pan on the, the scales and pour in your pasta so you know what the dry weight of that is first, just so you get that idea of kind of what these portion sizes are. Olive oil or any other oil, kind of pouring that onto the tablespoon first so you know it's a tablespoon that you're having, that kind of thing. I really recommend doing that to, to gain as much insight as you can and then moving away from it, like use it to find knowledge and once you feel fairly confident with that, test out not using it if you decide I don't want to keep tracking for a long time and you can always go back to it again but it's when it's done kind of half-heartedly that you don't get that much from it because you don't get a full picture of what's going on. So I would do a short term, do the best you can with it, take the insights and then Go and have a break if you want to have a break and then you can always go back if you need to 
equally, if you're happy doing it for a while, you'll get really good benefits from doing it for a period of time. As long as it sits okay with you mentally, everyone is in a slightly different place with relationship with food and how they kind of process tracking calories. So it's not for everyone, but if you're okay with it, it's a really, really useful tool just to understand where you're at and then be able to make some tweaks that align with the goals that you've got. So I was kind of thinking, what do I want people to get out of this episode? And the big thing is that, firstly, if you have high cholesterol, which a lot of people do, or if you're concerned about it, then these are some things that you can do that I've mentioned in this episode in terms of nutrition and lifestyle choices. Remembering it can be genetic to a degree as well. That was something that was highlighted in my Medichex report that for some people, even with a healthy lifestyle and, and great nutrition, we can just be genetically predisposed to having higher cholesterol. But I do think even then for, for the majority of people, and certainly for myself, there is there is a lot that can still be done to, to bring that down. So that's what I'm going to work on in the next few months. And I also wanted to highlight the benefit of, of getting these things tested and either asking your GP for, for tests if there's anything that you're concerned about or going to somewhere like MediChecks if you can't get those tests done or you just want to do them somewhat privately um, through something like like that company. And I'll link to MediChecks in the show notes. I don't have any affiliation to them. I just think it's it's a really valuable resource to know about. And, and using that testing just to to inspire you to keep taking amazing care of your health to see what your body is is doing on the inside and to see what impact you can have by by taking awesome care of it with nutrition and lifestyle and again like not trying to be perfect with that but just building consistency in the things that are really beneficial for us to do and this has definitely inspired me to to eat better and do a bit better with my nutrition and i i would say i do did pretty well to begin with I thought but there are definitely things I can I can do better and still still have that balance still enjoy things I love which is cake and ice cream and chocolate but just a bit less frequently than I was doing and just see if that makes a positive difference I think as we get older like we we can kind of get away with less and we need to focus more on our health and taking amazing care of ourselves in your 20s you can do anything right you can go out and get really drunk and go into work with a hangover having hardly slept you can eat junk food and be pretty much okay a lot of the time but I was kind of thinking I might have a little bit more time but actually age 34 my body is telling me maybe you just want to make a few tweaks and that would be helpful so in some ways I quite like that as well I like the idea that I want to work better with my body and treat it really well and listen to what it's telling me And that's both from blood tests and that's from just how it feels to eat certain foods as well. You might notice like there's, there are foods that we love to eat, right? That are not that nutritious and they are delicious, but sometimes you just don't feel great for having eaten them. And the body's kind of saying, hey, that tasted really nice for the the few seconds that we ate it, but actually not feeling that great now. And when that signal's coming back and you know there's things on the inside that are saying, hey, maybe we'd benefit from doing this slightly differently then that can be a really good motivator to to make some little tweaks that can ultimately make a big difference to our health and longevity in decades to come, as well as how you feel in the short term. So I will report back 
in a few months time having carried on with nutrition tweaks taking the supplements and hopefully um that will have a beneficial effect on things but i will report back and let you know and in the meantime if you have any questions or need any help with this stuff please feel free to get in touch it's something that i have a degree of knowledge about but i'm learning more about it all the time and researching things and testing stuff out myself so um, if you need guidance or advice on nutrition or fitness stuff i would love to be of help to you feel free to drop me an email it's hayley at hayleyplumber.co.uk or come find me on social media via the links in the show notes thanks for listening and speak to you again soon thank you so much for listening to the podcast today i hope you enjoyed it if you have any questions if i can help you in any way please feel free to get in contact with me via my website hayleyplumber.co.uk or come find me on Facebook or Instagram and I would love to connect with you. I hope you have an amazing day and I'll speak to you soon.